Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Welcome to the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today from Space Buds, the dispensary, is Dakota Lasea. Dakota, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Patty. So this is really neat. This is the second time you've been on the podcast. Uh, the first time, I had made a, po- a comment on uh, a local uh, news outlet or whatnot on Facebook, and you absolutely annihilated uh, <laughs> my, my comment. And I was kind of in a weird mood, and I had just kind of started the podcast and so my reaction was, you know what, I, I think that I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to have more in common with you than I'm not. And I think we should be just become friends instead of arguing and being divisive. Let's become friends. You can come on my podcast. I'll do the episode called The Youth Vote. And I got to talk to you and I was totally right on the fact that you are an incredible mind uh, and you are very well uh, read and you know your stuff. And so I, it was really cool. And then fast forward about two or three years and you've been just working behind the scenes, doing your thing, started working at a dispensary. And then you had messaged me and said, Hey, I got a great uh, story for your podcast. It's uh, you know, I work at this dispensary called the space buds, the dispensary, and we, the, the workers there pushed to join a union. And so mm-hmm. I'm doing a little two part, uh, ep- uh, two episode series on labor. My last interview was with uh, Springfield City Councilor, who's uh, the labor representative for the Teamsters. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, this is the perfect time. So Dakota, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thanks for uh, having a place to like also be like us to like and be more vocal and talk about a lot of like labor uh, rights and a lot of workers rights where you get a lot of like opportunities. Yeah. And I don't know a lot about this and I purposely didn't do a ton of research. Now, there's a few posts uh, on Reddit has been pretty popular. There was mm-hmm. a, a big thread with a lot of comments, and we'll talk about that a little bit as we go along. Uh, but tell me, first of all, you got into working in a dispensary. So, uh, you know, tell me what that was looking like and tell me why you decided that you probably would need to form a union. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I've just a little backstory from my, like, my experience in the industry. I've been here for about five, six years I'm going on six years uh, in the fall, and I have I, you know, started working on a hemp farm out in 114 degree heat down in Southern Oregon. Uh, and about three years later, I uh, was able to make like I was able and kind of wanted to make the jump to dispensary work when I moved up to Eugene, and kind of started seeing a different side of the industry. And I started at Space Buds about a year and a half ago. And, you know, it's great because you get to like the difference between working on farms and working with the dispensaries, you get to interact with the customers and you get to see a lot more of your community and the people that are using the weed and you get to talk to them. And 
there's always been a little bit more of like an educational side that I've kind of come at. So when I kind of jumped into the dispensary, it was a perfect fit. Um, and so, you know, a little bit about just like the backstory of some of the reasons why we wanted to unionize and, you know, workers' rights, you know, there are things like unset scheduling, um, like, we have problems with uh, wage stability and wage increases. Um, we have problems with uh, like, we had sick time uh, problems that were filed through, like we ended up having, like there are a few uh, files through Bully um, and there have been like a, a bunch of other things that we brought up in our, um, like all of our union uh, deliberations going at uh, the, like actually like, uh, when we were in our deliberation with the owners. Um, and it was kind of more just also talking about base respect of employees. Um, there were a lot of employees who have been called straight up expendable um, at my store. And I know that this is also a common thing at other places. Uh, we all, as workers, like no matter if what you're doing now, you've definitely had a job where, you know, you know that the owner just literally did not give a crap about you. You were just another person there and like made to just work until you know you kind of were done with it right and then they just replace you right yep i mean and i've worked in places before as a barber where i had uh you know a micromanager where where when i was like i'd call in and i'd be like look i'm not feeling good you know and she'd be like well what's going on i'm like well that's not mm -hmm. actually legal for you to actually ask me my you know you don't get to determine you know i had a uh not to get too off the point, but I had a, a customer one time and I was talking to him about it because I was pretty frustrated. And maybe it's a little unprofessional, but the reality is I was that frustrated. So I was talking to my customer mm -hmm. and I'm like, my boss is just like, I was sick. And she was like, well, what's, what's the issue? So that way I can determine. And my boss was actually a doctor or my my, uh, my customer was a doctor. And they're like, oh, so your, your barbershop employer is now practicing medicine. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yep. You know? And so, I mean, we're seeing a lot of this rise in... Uh, employees just mobilizing and being like, I've had enough. And especially with your generation, I think a lot of times we separate each other into generations when we shouldn't, because there's probably a wide range of age group that works with your crew. I'm sure that it's a range, you know, 10, 15 year difference. I'm sure I, yeah. I'm guessing, you know, but, but it's not just 22. How old are you? 23. Is that right? I'm 23. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just young people, but you're, you're now you're finding, you're not just an 18 year old kid. Like you're a grown mm -hmm. man, you know, that's now working into, you know, making this a, a career move. So now I've noticed that on Reddit, one of the, uh, criticisms about this whole process that we're going to talk about is that people are like, well, if that's how your employer treated you, why would I want to patronize that? Why would I want to buy my cannabis? at this dispensary, what do you tell people yeah. that would be potential customers on why they should still support the, the business? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was one of the things that I did. There was a person commenting on there that was representing the space buds, uh, page and was replying to those people being like, you should still come in and patron like you and still be a patron. Even if you don't want to support that much, you can just drop in and like buy a joint or you can drop in and like, you know, like let us know that you support us while poking around, but never did, uh, you know, I have never advocated and never really thought that it would be really beneficial to like boycott or yeah. not really support the store. Um, and like in the opposite, I told people, I'm like, if you really just want to, you should come visit more to show like support to the workers who are going through it right now. Um, because, you know, however people want to think about uh, an owner or whatever person they want to with their own personal opinions, 
they can form for themselves. Um, like all I'm here for is workers' rights and all I'm here representing is the workers. So I just want us to, you know, there we get better, you know, we get better, like a better community engagement and we get better like um, uh, reviews and we get better um, like uh, criticism on our work whenever we have more customers. So it's always, no matter what I would say, just try and come in um, and whether you choose to spend money or not, that's your call. But um, ever since we won the, we've won everything um, and it's been certified and we're in our bargaining unit, um, it, right now it's just the perfect time to come in yeah. and stop by. Yeah, regardless um, of what got you there at this point, now you're supporting you by shopping there yeah. because the money that's you're spent there pays your wage. So yeah. now let's talk about the process. You know, uh, it, I mean, you basically, I don't know a ton about this, so it's going to be easy. I mean, you know, assume that I don't know because I don't. Just explain to me. I mean, you tell me the grievances, the reasons that you were like, look, this this isn't going to fly. It's bad for our mental health. We need to come together. You know, uh, what does that process look like? How does somebody kind of organize it? Who is it a group effort? Is it, you know, an individual that pops up and starts kind of like getting the megaphone, you know, just tell me what the process looks like when you're, when you're wanting to unionize. Yeah. So, I mean, for us, for all people in particular, it always starts somewhere. It starts with, you know, maybe your employer like ours was, there wasn't following COVID regulations and there were employees that were made to work while having COVID. There were, you know, uh, obviously we talked about wage and scheduling and just, uh, state laws not being followed and um, having to fight to actually just get bare minimum like uh, like legal like rights for workers. Uh, it always starts with um, you know a worker not feeling as uh, as ben like you know as um, respected by their owner or and not getting the like the actual benefits of a job that they should be, which is something that's pretty important to every single person. Um, so really you just start by either like there are a few ways to unionize you can join up with a a, a pre-existing union that already has branches devoted um the benefits of that is just you have a lot more um like legal representation because they already probably have lawyers that are on um like like on uh payroll like they're on their payroll yeah mm -hmm. and that are also specified for that like uh sector and you know really by their work in like maybe agricultural law or unionizing law or workers' rights and specific things. Um, and then there's also, you know, you can write, make your own union. Every single person, it's actually one of the things that's in our con like in our constitution, I believe, is our right to unionize. And it's one of the only things in this country that is actually a guaranteed right is your constitutional right and federal law, like federally protected right to unionize. Um, and you can make your own union at your store because all it is is you would just go around, have like make be like, this is the union representing if we just did space buds, the uh, dis like dispensary and tried to make our own union uh, like we would have done like space buds, the union and everyone would sign um, their like labor cards that we would have uh, like that would be certified by the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Bureau. They would um, have certain legal requirements that your cards would need to say with like signatures information about the employee um and like uh basically them them signing off that they are interested in forming a union um 
you would like if you were already a part of a pre-existing union like UFCW, uh, we there are already cards that we hand, we got to every single employee. They got to sign and uh, we got handed back. And then um, for the NLRB to start like uh, like actually to be filing for uh, unionizing with your store, you have to reach a minimum requirement of 30 percent of the store having signed a card, which doesn't sound like a lot. But um, you to win your vote, you have to have 50% of the vote plus one. Um, and so the downside with like starting your own union and not really going through a lot of like uh, uh, more solidified areas are that, you know, getting that like you'll submit maybe with 30% and you might lose your election because you don't have everyone yet, but you're just trying to file and hopefully bolster like confidence. Um, with, in our case, we had to get 70% of our store on board before we could even file. So we had a, like a large majority of the store wanting to unionize before we even actually got to vote. Um, and all of those cards also, what they do is they protect you, um, like against retaliation, because if you are unionizing, so, um, personally in my, my own case, like you start unionizing, you're, you're the, let's say you're the only one that wants to unionize, like I, in my case, um, and you have to start convincing your whole store. Um, I've kind of told people it's like playing the largest game of Survivor you've ever played, if you've ever watched Survivor, because you are actively hiding the fact that you are have grievances and are trying to take grievances and talk to them about uh, like workers' rights with your coworkers without your managers or your uh, owner uh, really noticing because until you sign those cards and get them filed in with the NLRB, which can take a, a while, you don't really have any protection against right. being fired. Right. You can just, they can just walk in. I mean, in, in any place in Oregon at will employment exists, unless you have a contract that spe- specifies you don't. So they can just walk in and fire you. Um, and they've done that for, I mean, I know Nectar has done that. Um, Moss Crossing has also gone through and fired a lot of people for, uh, who were starting to unionize, which a lot of these stores, like we'll see places that are super, super like, oh, we're local, we're community owned. We are, a, we're, we're, you know, we're a hallmark of this community and we, you know, we represent our community, but the, the second that their workers are maybe just want to waste for themselves, they just let them loose and they are not afraid to use any like any means necessary you know and i would imagine behind the scenes when you as an employer are trying to rise up and kind of motivate your crew to join on so that it can benefit them there's fear there's fear because of what you're talking about and then also it's a doggy dog world so when you work for an employer that you're not satisfied with it's pretty common that that employer is they're going to use each employee against each other. So they have their yep. little teacher's pet kind of deal where they're like, who you want to throw under the bus today? You know what I'm saying? And then, exactly. and, then and so, yeah, so that would be a difficult task. I would imagine. Was there a lot of uh, pushback or, or fear? Like I'm talking about, was there a lot of, was oh, there some yeah. employees that were like, I'm not, I don't know if I want to rock the boat. I'd rather just make my most people. Um, it's interesting. So my unionizing efforts started in about February of 2021 and we officially filed in January. So almost a whole year of unionizing and the, oh, the owner and every like main people who I didn't want to know about it did not know until technically uh, like about a week after we filed. Um, So we were able to get to the finish line because I was so secretive about every single thing. Um, 
And it was actually interesting because of my secrecy and because of how how much how little things changed over that year. You got to see a really sharp change in January, uh, just in like treatment of employees and things going on. But uh, for about a year, like I was trying to convince anyone and everyone, like I, you know, I started with people that were, you know, less likely, obviously, to go straight to the owner and tell. And that's mainly because they were already complaining. Um, I was talking to, so I already said, but I, I was speaking with a reporter uh, from uh, Willamette Weekly. And when we were talking, um, like I was basically saying like, Every single person at that store had made very open grievances. And I'm someone who has worked in campaigns and I've worked with DHS and I've worked with LCC and I've worked in a lot of like, not just like uh, legal uh, areas of the industry, but also I've worked in a lot more, I would say, uh, higher roles that have an HR department and have really uh, like a, a, a tighter grip on you know, worker respect. And every time I would just kind of be like, you know, that's not some way a person should treat you. Like, even if we're just talking about the owner being your friend, because, you know, everyone at the store, like we, we have a personal relationship with the owner. He sure, is our friend. Yeah. We hang out. Like we talk. There is a, and that is one of the reasons why a lot of people are really hesitant about, um, you know, unionizing because they feel like they're they're betraying their friend and their owner and someone who's given to them but when they're constantly being like yeah but then they do this thing which is really terrible and set me back and this thing and this thing and they go off on their their lists um i'm like that's not some way an owner like who doesn't even care about their employees as a person who worked at macy's i was treated uh, at least with more legal respect there than a small time uh, a, like business because they're able to also use that friend mentality to get away with more. And sure. I know we all know friends that are like, oh, you're my friend, do things for me. Um, now we just have uh, like an actual like uh, financial incentive to do those things and to actually kind of uh, give away our friendship. Right. And kind of, I just think that there's some, a little more lenient. I just think it's so important that people understand for a, their rights is a yep. work as a worker and be the channels to go through, you know, on who they could contact if they're feeling like this needs to be something that they want to consider. So tell me the process. So, so who did you, who did you go to, to get this started? And then you joined an existing union at the, at the UFCW yeah. local five, five, five. So did you yeah. reach out to them and, and yes. ask for guidance? Is that kind of how that went? So yeah, um, what I ended up doing was, cause I've already worked in a lot of like, uh, I worked on Prop 102 and 108, which in Oregon decriminalized all the, like all uh, like a uh, schedule one uh, narcotics in Oregon. And then also the, um, the kicker to that was also uh, turning uh, all nonviolent drug crimes into a capital, like just a capital offense, just a really easy slap on the wrist because the secret to that was a lot of people were gonna get retried um, and in campaigning with uh, like uh, that, uh, those uh, two propositions, I actually heard about UFCW 555. They are the um, union that actually worked with OLCC to get um, like medical and then recreational uh, cannabis legalized in Oregon. So that's actually one of the biggest reasons why I know them. They've worked a lot with Senator Merkley and Senator Wyden and Kate Brown and a lot of uh, people across the, uh, like in all areas that are pushing for marijuana decriminalization and better financing laws and 
like uh, less corporatization and a lot better agricultural sense. Um, they like, so I actually, I was looking up unions uh, because I was interested in possibly making my own because as someone who has legal like backing, um, I was actually drafting up my own contract and drafting up a lot of our own uh, like legal forms. Um, Hideaway Bakery, bakery was, is a bakery in, over in Eugene down on Willamette, and they actually went through a similar thing about a year ago where a, uh, about half of their employees wrote a union and sent the draft to their owner, and the owner like agreed to one of the, like, the 52 terms. Um, and they didn't really have any legal backing or anything right. that was in there that was so, so like solid. And that really made me want to look at something that was a little bit more like, you know, established set. And especially when they one that had like legal backing, um, because I knew that when push comes to shove, it, everything goes to the courts. And, you know, you as a worker, if you make your own union, you're going to have to shell out for a lawyer or you need to be able to go into that um, like into into court and represent yourself as well as a lawyer could in terms of like uh workers rights and like actual like work like um like state laws and proving certain things that aren't being like provided um which is really hard it's, it's like if you were trying to defend yourself in criminal court um especially when the owners has more money than you and is going to try and beat you in any ways possible they might try and frame you for racism they might try and get fake complaints filed against you so that they can also take you to like possible court before they file you, like they fire you. Wow. So um, that like I ended up uh, reaching out to UFCW and being like getting in contact with them and talking and learning a lot about their union before I even was like, yeah, we're going to do that. So once, because, go ahead. Yeah. No, you're, uh, was, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that all of our workers were really getting all of themselves represented. And I had been talking to all of them beforehand and wanted to know what UFCW did and how, what they offered as a union from not just like backing, like in terms of like, you know, legal, like, uh, and like actual like litigation, but, you know, resources they offered like insurance, you know, um, their incentives through like wage, uh, like actual steady wage increases that are set with the economy and other things. So now once you have the vote and you join the union and you get, and you get the vote that you need to get, you get the numbers, how long does it take to start seeing changes? Um, it takes a, a bit. So we filed in, on January 4th. Um, we actually voted in March because um, you have to have, because of COVID, there has been a lot of, it's only been um, like mail-in voting. So you usually have about a month, a month and a half to vote in everything. Um, and once our stuff got in, it was like March 4th that everything was like finalized. That was when the last day could, uh, like your votes could be in. And then during that time, it took a little bit longer. So typically you would see like they would read off the votes and that day your vote would be certified. Um, but because your owner and the union itself, both sides can contest votes because only certain people are allowed to vote um, in union elections. Supervisors are not allowed to vote technically. So there was a lot of argument about who were supervisors because there's a lot of gray area at the store in terms of like titles and sure. what you actually do. So uh, it was took about a month for our sort of like our victory to actually certified in court in, in court. Um, but then in April, everything was certified and that's when our bargaining unit started. So um, uh, we sent surveys around, you said like a union will send surveys around to every employee 
so that they can ask them like, you know, what's the most important thing and aspect to you in your job? What would you like to see changed? Where are some like, you know, there was free writing areas to like give our own comments, opinions, any other things that we wanted to like really work on just like what we cared about, you know, if you, you know, wages were more important to you, if scheduling was more important to you um, and just listing examples of times at the store and times where you would like to see that implemented. Um, and then they take all those surveys and basically draft a contract going like of what's important, what's what they can give when they're arguing in court, because it is it is a deal like we like in the end, the, the contract's going to happen. But we have to it has to be equal. We can't go in there being like we demand thirty dollars an hour, full dental, medical, like vision, everything, because that's unsustainable for you know people that, you know, we get it like not even like really crazy uh like a lot of corporations can afford that but you know it is a smaller like store yeah margins i mean a, and, yeah, yeah i mean you still we have a second location but it's not a store but there is there is finances there um that is one of the things that's always argued against a lot of workers is they're like we don't have the overhead we don't have the finances yet you know in in space buds case um i like i was told that uh my hours were cut in the end because of finances and that we couldn't um like we couldn't have me as a butt tender there because of certain aspects relating to that and sales yet you know we got our ufo that's been there for five years it just got redone which cost a pretty penny i bet because of how intricate the artists are we got a whole set design inside uh with lights and lighting display the inside has changed the outside like right in front of the store um like in the entrance has gotten a bunch of new additions there's been a bunch of new updates in and outside of the store which cost a lot of money sure. um and uh that's possibly because there's a netflix series hopefully they're trying to develop at the store oh wow um and so with all that there's the there's the talk about okay well where this money could also be devoted towards you know workers when you know certain workers have been working there for five years and are you know the number three you know you know one of the like top ranked and like uh, managerial positions at the store and they haven't been given a raise in years um and like when we talk about that you know it's really important because no person should ever stop getting raises because our economy is constantly going it's up constantly evolving we're, right? <laughs> yeah if you, you know i'm making the same amount of money i am right now as i made back in 2018 um, when I was like in my second year and doing farming and I'm technically making less than I did then because, you know, every year you could probably shave off about 15 to 25 cents of your pay, like, of like what you're getting paid. And that's basically what inflation is doing to your dollar. Right. So now I want to talk about, um, basically my next question is, is how do, how is it enforced? You know, I mean, there's a collective bargaining agreement. Is that correct? So you basically have, yeah. and this is what it is. You get the union. And in your case, you know, the UFC, uh, UFCW local five, 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 you have a representative that is well-versed on these kind of things that sits down with the employer and negotiates this. Is that correct? I mean, there's a certain time yeah. period that the collective bargaining agreement happens. So, you know, the question I asked before was how long did it take to start seeing changes? But then once you started seeing the changes, when it's implemented, how does that work? I mean, basically that's it, right? The representative, you can explain it better. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're in the midst of seeing the changes there. They start happening as the bargaining unit is made because, uh, uh, you know, you start seeing changes immediately as soon as lawyers eyes are on the store, because that's when you're going to see all the little small little 
like legal things that they're like, well, technically illegal things that they're kind of getting away with completely change. Like, you know, tracking sick time better, actually implementing that, actually giving you sick time when you request it. A lot of things that they'll try and get away with before they will just immediately start changing. And people, you know, in the past couple months, like they're like, you know, my treatment has gotten a little bit better. And I'm just like, why do you, why do you think I spent about a year telling everyone, I'm like, Hey, remember how he treats you right now? Because as soon as we file, as soon as we file, everything is going to change. And there are a few individuals who I told that and they're like, Oh, definitely. And then as soon as things started to change, they're like, wow, I can't believe it. Yeah. Actually, maybe there's like a new leaf. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> like, yeah, that's this is how this works, you know. Yeah, and, and, and so you see change really slowly, especially until the bargaining unit and contract gets solidified. That's really just when you start seeing more state. Like we're just running like a uh, what's legally required now. But once the contract gets solidified um, and it's actually signed on both parties and it's implemented, that's when you actually start seeing the wage changes. That's when you see the scheduling changes and everything that's required. Well, and I wonder. I mean, there's a lot of. Uh, pushback, you know, I know with Amazon, when Amazon was trying mm -hmm. to unionize the workers, there's a lot of uh, lobbying power from a huge corporation like that, but from a smaller mm -hmm. business, like a local business, I know that cause I'm, I work in a locally owned barbershop that has independent contractor employees. Mm -hmm. The benefit of being an independent contractor and not an employee is that we can set our prices. So with inflation, yeah. we can raise it. So we don't have to lobby as much because we can just kind of go with it and it goes with the market. Mm -hmm. But that being, so I do know, though, how expensive it is to run a local business and the regulations and the state mm -hmm. just constantly wanting a cut and, and all that kind of stuff. But the thing that I think that is a benefit to this to the employer is that it sets a guideline of what expectations are. Because just to be a business owner, you're not, you don't have to be, uh, have a business degree. You don't yeah. have to understand the inner workings of every little element. You probably should, but that's not a given. You know what I mean? And especially, I mean, you hear this a lot. With restaurants, uh, you'll have, uh, you know, and like immigrant-owned restaurants, for example, which I think is amazing and is an important part of our culture. But it's 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 notoriously a known thing that like sometimes they're like that doesn't work at this shop, and it's like no, that's the law. Yep. Like this is a, yep. this is our laws, and we're, there's protections. And I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus. I'm just saying it happens, and it's common mm -hmm. thread. You know, so it's actually that, interesting you brought that up because uh, like I was actually uh, I was talking about the, that reporter. Uh, that was actually an interest. That was a thing they exactly brought up was like, you know, um, you know, smaller people like owning those things, especially with immigrant workers and stuff. And like, I am actually my aunt and uncle, like uh, my abuela and abuelo down in, uh, sorry, my tia and tío, uh, they're like down in Southern California and they own a restaurant and deal with all those things. And I actually talk about workers' rights with them because, you know, there is the whole problem of like, how much are you paying everyone? Are you getting, are you giving consistent raises? Is it something that's livable? And, you know, it is always the argument of like, you know, there's this, you know, we have less money and we have to, you know, there, there are a lot of tighter expenses and that's typically where I tell people, okay, then, you know, I, I kind of pull out the, the joke board that Walmart gave to a lot of its uh, employees where they're like, oh, instead of us giving you raises, maybe we'll give you a budget and then just exclude like food from the budget and random things that are important. And me being like, maybe I should give you a budget plan. Maybe you shouldn't be as, you know, cause we, in America, this is the, the kind of the business model. People want to grow their business and they want rapid expansion. That means they're going to try and reach out really quickly and they're going to try and branch out and start to envelop new areas. And, you know, with that, you have to get more employees 
And that means your expenses are going towards those employees. And then also all the things you kind of stretched yourself too thin to even uh, acquire. So you start subsidizing your employees so that you can do more frivolous things. You pay your people less so that you can buy a new location so that you can, you know, expand, build this part so that you can maybe have a Netflix series or something. Right. So in those areas, um, and, and this is when we start actually talking about even as regular business models, the moment you have to subsidize your employees to um, make a profit and better your, uh, your business, you've failed. You have failed your business and you technically are going to be on a down spot, a downward spiral of either having to hire less competent and less educated employees and constantly having to hire new employees every year and a half because people expect wage raises and expect a certain level of like uh, minimum requirements uh, from their job and they're not going to be seeing that or you're going to go the route of actually, you know, hiring career long people, but then you have to give them those wages and you can't expand as fast. And that's kind of the the bubble that, um, I mean, there's an economist uh, professor and Dr. Richard Wolf. He was a Harvard professor. He's a, uh, he is a, um, like a professor of economics. And he talks a lot about like, he, he doesn't, he, he does talk about how a lot, how capitalism is a failed business model and a failed model in general. It's not just about, you know, free markets and like things like that. Uh, that's actually free markets are open in every single uh, ideology basically, but specifically talking about failed business models and how we've kind of had to revert to a, an area where we are kind of like feudal serfs in terms of how minimum we're getting paid and how much we're working and not getting really that, uh, that equal off because our, since the Gilded Age, we've kind of given all these people in America this, you know, side hustle, five to nine mentality where like you can build your own business, you can go do your own thing, and then you can live off your business. And you, once you start hiring people, you know, since you created that business, you can like decide how much you want to pay them. But every person, if you can make a thriving live like livelihood off of your business by owning it and working it, then you should be able to like pay that to your employees or you're not at the level that you need to be to actually have a functional business right. that is the size you want. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, I do know, I, I see both sides, not to, to employees being treated unfairly. I mean, the reality is if you can't afford to have an employee, you can't have an employee. It's just the way it goes. You know, my dad owns a print shop and it was maybe three, four employees max. And he mm -hmm. he's somebody that I admire because he is very conservative, but he has ethics in business. So he's told me numerous times, he's like, I only hire, I mean, this may not be legal. He, I, he only would hire students because it's in a college town. Be yep. that he could give part-time because he's like, if I give you part-time, I have to give you health insurance. And I'm not saying that like, I don't want to, I'm saying like, that's the just yeah, thing to do. Yeah. That's the, yep. that's the just thing to do. So he gets people that are the six, eight, eight hours a week that you're talking about, but he's not lying to anyone about it. He tells him, this is the expectation when you get hired, this is all I'm going to be yep. able to offer. It's going to be a side gig to accent some of the extra help that I need so that I can continue to grow. And then he does all the work himself, you know? And yep. so, and that's a, that's a difference. That's like using, that's a small amount of employees and using them to fill in the extra work he can't do right versus having full-time like well technically never having full-time employees because if you keep them right under 37 it's, hours and right. you don't have to go into the, right. any of the benefits um and having them run your store never opening your store once and having an employee work more days than you worked and more holidays than you worked in a year that means you're not really working at your store as much 
And if you're, you know, if you're not, you know, if you're trying to cut them down and constantly keep them away from something and have openly expressed like, you know, negative thoughts about employees and workers in America, you know, it, it's kind of evident to the people around you. Uh, a lot of our workers were always hearing that like we have been told that we were expendable. And one of the things that went around, it's not even like hidden. Every every employee gets our memos. Uh, in a lot of our memos, we always were told like in bold writing, um, rem like it was like, remember, this is a really, uh, really cool job. And a lot of people are hundreds of people are always applying. So kind of be happy that you have a job yeah. and you know it might sound mean to say but that was told to us and as a person who like i'll say it i'm probably like you know in that area I'm, i have a lot of education and i know and i respect myself and my information and everything i was like there is no way i would ever let someone like that talk to me i would never let anyone talk to me like that especially my coworkers. i'm not going to let anyone talk to other people like that around me because that means that you just view us as expendable and i talk about the business model of cannabis workers in college towns because it's interesting you brought that up um you actually see that in college towns and, and like really large population towns um there is higher rates of uh, retail cannabis business but less farming and like less farming in the general rural area around that. But as soon as you start getting way out into the boonies, there's a huge amount of farming. And it's because um, in like retail, like the um, cannabis dispensary is becoming a lot more retail. When I first entered into this industry, I was like, I was getting paid like 25 to $20 an hour as a trimmer. Um, and that was because it was based off of your like quality of speed. And when I was looking at dispensary jobs, they were paying like $17, $18 an hour just for bud tenders. It has crashed down to wow. 11, well, now it's minimum. It was when I was started into it, minimum was like $11. So it was 11, $12 an hour for a bud tender, which is a huge drop off. And cannabis prices have technically, uh, they've been on an all time high because ever since 2018, hemp was federally legalized. So everyone in their mother grew hemp because it's $2,200 for a single hemp plant versus in like, and you don't have to do anything. You just throw that bitch out there and it'll grow. Right. Um, versus cannabis and using like selling for THC and everything you need to cure it. You need to really like manicure and put a lot of labor into it um, just to make sure that you can sell it. And then anything can go wrong and ruin it. And even then you're getting about, I think it was like the going prices are about a hundred dollars per percent of THC for a pound. Wow. Um, which is a lot at like, and you would only have to, you have to grow really well and consistent and put a lot of money in to get the payoff. So as prices, like for an, an ounce back then, it was like $40 in 2017 for an, a good ounce. Now, like for 28 grams of the same product, it's around like 260 to $300, um, which is an insane markup. And you are seeing that price increase amongst like, you know, farms are having to put more nutrients and stuff and pay taxes and certain things but you actually are seeing a higher profit margin just across the board because although yeah you're having higher expenses this weed is selling so expensively and you're right. making a higher profit margin um so we've seen that change but we've actually seen a reduction in payment for workers right. um i went from making 25 dollars an hour as a trimmer to 13 an hour as a trimmer um in this course of literally two years 
Um, and as a butt tender, it like it kind of crashed down from 18 to 12 and now has kind of worked its way up from like minimum to like $14 an hour, 15 an hour. Um, and it's kind of like ridiculous with the amount of experience we have to have. Um, and, you know, there are bad there are definitely bad butt tenders out there who are uneducated. And that's actually what this business model is about. College uh, dispensaries, what they do is they always have incoming 21-year-olds. They're always going to have a 21-year-old who wants a, a weed job, who is probably just there for college and is going to be gone by the summer or maybe lives there for two years um, and will quit after a certain amount of time. So they'll constantly have an influx of, of new people that can work that could be decent. And so they're constantly paying them bare minimum and really they don't need a huge amount of experience. Um, and then after about a year, either they hit the road themselves or they like, they kind of get wise and are like, why am I not being treated better? You know, Oh, I graduated. I need a, I need more money. I'm working here more. I'm giving more of my man out power and my effort to this store. Why am I not getting a payoff? They can just kick them to the curb and then hire this new person that's coming in because they have that constant uh, surge from college oh. towns. Um, and it's kind of why I've talked about why this business model works so well in college towns, because you're constantly getting right. Cause you have exactly place. now just a question I have about being a bud tender. Is it still true that you can't get a paycheck? It has to be cash or you, can you actually, it is all cash. It is all cash because that, so, yeah, I don't think, pay stuff. Yeah. so I don't know if people understand this because it's not federally recognized as of right now that, mm -hmm. that, yeah, you cannot have, uh, it's not FDIC, uh, protected so your your paycheck is not digital you can't get direct deposit or anything like that which means that you then have to pay for your bank account because in order to get a, a free bank account unless you use a credit union which you should absolutely anyone should use a credit union but uh yeah you have to pay for your monthly bank, account, bank fee. <laughs> yeah yeah selco uh, i had an episode on my podcast with on point community credit at the beginning of the year oh yeah yeah so i mean i definitely am all pro credit union but I just want, I mean, that's crazy. You still, you can't, I, I understand it, you know, and at any time uh, we could change, we have a change in leadership and a change in attorney general and they could get their jollies off by raiding dispensaries in Oregon. So we'll see what the future holds because uh, don't count it out. People, Donald Trump is probably going to be the president again. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> you know, so, they're, they're throwing, they're, the Democrats are throwing it and yeah, uh, so. if Biden ran again, he would definitely, yeah. this is just our pers this is personal, Biden ran again, he would lose to Trump, especially because he could throw it in, Yeah, but Bernie did say that he would run in 2024. Possibly. We'll see, so, I'm, I just, yeah, <laughs> not to get too, I mean, I'm a dreamer. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too, and we'll see, I mean, I don't want to get too off track, I mean, I guess we're, we're, yeah, we're, no, we're no, wrapping no. up, we could talk a little bit about some politics, I, I love yeah. talking to you because, uh, I learn a lot, you know, we, sorry, before we wrap up, you were talking about the FDIC thing and yeah. just like banking. Um, that's another thing that actually happens in the industry. So happened at our store. A lot of our employees were getting gypped out of their money because you're getting paid in cash and we got pay stubs. Some people get pay stubs. Most people, some people don't. It really depends on how your owner operates. But um, we were like, we were doing our hours and calculating and there were dozens of times many employees were missing a large amount of money from paychecks and it was proven through pay stubs and hours calculation like our calculations that pay stubs were actually wrong um and so that is actually an interesting point that you did bring up that it like until we get this actually federally like uh just decriminalized just to start um like we like even workers are really really let loose like um there are people that aren't like i had to so when i was cut for my hours and went on food stamps and benefits 
you actually have when you're applying there is weird regulations for cannabis workers because it's not federally like legalized like uh, legalized it's only state legalized and so there's only a lot of like there's a certain amount of benefits and things you can get and things they can give in terms of their funding because they get funding from the 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 nation and there's even in there i've talked to multiple um like dhs agents who have given conflicting reports about if cannabis workers can actually get food stamps and i've been flat out denied being like cannabis isn't a recognized right work, uh, work of, like form of labor in the eyes of the like in the eyes of uh, the DHS. But you were expected to pay federal taxes. Yes, <laughs> like, of course. Like this is the it's a wild west, you know, and it's so funny how that works. They're like, what you're doing is illegal, but we want you to pay federal taxes on it you until we figure w- it out so that we can get all the money we want from you and no protections. So essentially yep. that's, you know, that's taxation without representation at that point. So yeah. on the federal level. So, yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot that goes into it. I, I'd like to have you back on talking might be less about the unions and more about just what it is to be a dispensary worker. You know, yeah. uh, uh, I'm excited to hear that you're doing this. First of all, for you personally, the fact that you have done this now, you, I say this all the time to young people. Once you accomplish things, then you know, you can accomplish the next thing. That's why high yeah. school graduation is so important. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, it's like finishing something that you didn't, that wasn't enjoyable. That was, you know what I mean? That you're like, I put my mind yeah. to it though. And I pushed through. And so yeah, it took a long time to push this through. And I'm, I mean, it's amazing. And it's something I'm sure you're extremely proud of. And I'm sure that there's been put repercussions and pros and cons. And, and, you know, union is not all like union good, uh, non-union bad. It doesn't work like that. There's pros and yeah. cons. There's definitely issues that come with unions, you know, because they're just like everything else as they grow. I talked about it last week that they sometimes get farther away from the actual worker. But that's yeah. a whole, you know, we could talk forever. I'm not sitting here and saying that they're not without flaws. But in yeah, your, like in the, your, the list of things that the, your owner would say to you, like, oh, labor, like, you know, you're going to pay union dues, which right. like that was a big thing for ours. And I was like, yeah, it's literally less than a Netflix subscription sure. per month. Right. And you're going to be making more. So that's going to be paid. Met. You're like, there's a just, lot of those like I'll just buy yeah, one less blunt. Segments. Yeah. You know, from. Yeah. <laughs> so but no, I mean, it, there's just a lot. I'd like to cover more stuff on on labor, because, again, mm-hmm. as an independent contractor, I don't know a ton about this. And, and it's something I'm learning a lot from, from people like yourself, but Dakota Lasea, I appreciate you so much for doing this. Uh, if, if anybody wants to come and, and, uh, sample your, your goods that you sell at the space, Buds dispensary, where, where can they find you? Yeah. At uh, 741 Lincoln street. Uh, you can visit us. We are open 9am to 10pm, 9am to 9pm on Sundays. Um, and yeah, I would just, we have deals every day of the week, honestly, like, I think the best reason, the best, the best thing that I love about our dispensary is you can come in and it's like, we call ourselves like a pharmacy kind of for weed. Like you can really, you know, we do clinical research and you can go on our website, spacebudsadispensary.com where, you know, yours truly did a lot of that research themselves. And a lot of the, like we have research on, you know, uh, if you like, you know, from people on the spectrum and using, uh, like we, uh, medically the epilepsy to actual like SSRI use if you use weed for like mental health benefits there's a lot of stuff so I would definitely like check everything out on the website and definitely come in and just like give us a hoop and holler and kind of support us yeah so now assuming that your employer will watch this uh, or Mm -hmm. listen to this uh, what is your relationship been after this whole process with them I mean I would think that if you look Mm -hmm. someone eye to eye 
uh, adult to adult. I'm not going to say man to man. It's 2022. Adult to adult, <laughs> adult to adult. You know, you're like, this is what I expect, and that person's like, okay, well, I can give you this, and there's concessions. I mean, as as human beings, we need to be able to just demand respect and and whatnot. How has the relationship been since? Has it improved actually? So my <laughs> relationship with the owner, we were re- like, we were really. If you asked him, you would say we were friends up until like January. We, we were like at the store. We would talk a lot. He was inviting me on to be on the podcast, do a lot of website creation. I was like, I was being promoted to intake manager as of January. And then after everything dropped, uh, I was apparently a really, I became a really bad employee and all these things. Our relationship really fell off when um, he decided to cut my hours because I was, you know, I'm, I came into this job full time and I've always been full time. And I, you know, I'm a, I live paycheck to paycheck, like most millennials and most people in this country. And I have bills and I am a student like, and have loans that I am previously paying off for other colleges, like for other degrees that I have and certifications. Um, and when I had my hours cut, I went and straight appealed. And, you know, I, there, there's always the whole, like we have an open door policy but um, the open door has a bucket of water right on top of it. So as soon as you open that door, you just fucking get drenched um, and <laughs> yeah. fired. Yeah. And so when I would, when I went to talk about it, um, I was told, I told him very seriously, I'm like, you're cutting me down from, uh, at that point it was 36 hours to less than 12 hours a week. And I was like, I tried to argue and I was like, hey man, I'm like, you know, why? And this was when he went through three different uh, like arguments being like, um, at first, he was saying that it wasn't me specifically that was being targeted. And then I pulled up like a, a whiteboard and was like, so here's all my hours and all of them are gone and given to another person where everyone else's hours are completely the same. Yeah. And he's like, OK, I am targeting you, but it's because, you know, you're not reliable. And I was like, interesting. Flip the whiteboard around. I'm like, here's inputs and quotes from every single manager and employee I've talked to saying that I'm actually really reliable. And then it kind of, it kind of went to we don't have sales and volumes and finances to really keep that going for you to have be full time. And that's when I was like, you know, you're, you know, you're putting me at very, very, you know, it was a lot to just kind of be like, Hey, with that, you're putting me at risk of being homeless and my food security, you know, I could pot, I will possibly lose my home and I will possibly actually end up having to go way, way, way deeper into debt, something that I might not ever be able to pull myself out of. And he shrugged at me. Um, and so that's when I tell people about the disconnect between owners and workers and people that are a little bit, have a little bit more settled, like in their life versus people who are trying to just either dig themselves out of a hole or establish themselves. Um, there's supposed to be respect just in, in normal people. And that was the moment that really, when I went full force to like unionizing and went complete, like realized that the relationship was never there. It was, there was never respect there because you couldn't, if you were knowingly going to make someone homeless just because a personal retaliation, like there was no actual reason my hours were cut and they were just given to another person immediately. Right. Um, and there is no reason I'm not there full time just because he doesn't want me to. It it does take a level of not caring and, and in, in humanity. It does, you know, there are very few things in this world that like morally define you. And I think that there are moments in people's lives that do define them. And I am, I have, I have told him this and I, you know, it, it's very open. This isn't, there is nothing. Ever yeah. You're, saying, you're saying it on a public forum. Sure. Nothing, nothing that, uh, nothing that was ever disrespectful. I actually had the utmost respect and was trying to be as respectful as I could went through everything legally and everything completely 
uh, like well. Um, and I was just treated uh, inhumanely. And that's when I realized that I was, you know, it, it didn't really matter if I ever had a perception of what my relationship was to him because um, my relationship at any time could, was just contingent on me being a worker who didn't question anything. Yeah. Well, keep fighting the good fight because it sounds like, <laughs> I mean, I have a ton of respect for you because uh, for standing up for yourself, you know. Uh, we're going to get out of here. But before I do, I want to say if you want to donate to the podcast, you can go to Venmo. Uh, at spent the rent. Uh, you can also go to sdrpod.com uh, and then there's a sponsors tab that you can donate through PayPal or Patreon. If you'd like to become an executive producer on Patreon, there's three different levels, but the executive producer is the highest one. And that gives more access behind the scenes where we would have a monthly meeting with my executive producers that they could tell me some stories that they'd like to see spotlighted and that kind of stuff. So go to uh, sdrpod.com for, to find out more about that. Or just donate, you know, drop a $5 digital tip cup, whatever, uh, donation to Venmo at Spent the Rent. So Dakota Lasea, thank you so much. Space Buds, the dispensary. I do kind of, after what you've told me today, I do kind of have the similar feeling of some of the people on Reddit where I'm like, I don't know if I want to shop there. So hopefully this, this is a new thing. This is, you said that it happened in March. We're in May that, you know, I do feel like this process will improve as it becomes the the you know the law of the land or was so to speak where this is the, like i said the expectations for the employer are set out and defined once that becomes common practice i would hope that things will improve a lot you know even with the morale because hurt feelings fade you know and so uh there's a lot of emotion on both sides i'm sure and so it is what it is mm -hmm. but you're yeah, obviously uh, still make sure to give a shout out to ufcw if you guys are like if anyone is trying to, you know, unionize your store, trying to like, you know, in any, whether you're a cannabis dispensary or any regular uh, store or anything or service uh, in, in the service industry, reach out to like your local like union rep and try and get in contact because it's pre a lot simpler and a lot easier than you think. Yeah, and I think that's super important for people to know because they need to know their options, they need to know their rights. So yeah. Dakota Lasea, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, man. I'm going to end this with a song. This is Last One Standing by Dead Fucking Serious. <laughs>